Hello, you are listening to the Six Figure Hairstylist Podcast. This is a bonus episode number five to a four-part series for salon owners. Or if you are thinking about opening a salon one day, I highly recommend that you listen to this series too. For those of you who are not familiar with me, I'm Stacy Monroe, and my story begins when I was 17 years old. I was an assistant at my very first salon. I was already a mom. I was a single parent. Two weeks after I gave birth, my mom told me that there was not enough room in our family home, and so the two of us had to go. So basically, I moved out. I was on welfare, so the urgency of having a successful career was at its highest level. My first boss, he took me under his wing. He taught me everything he knew about business and about building relationships, which are two of the most important pillars in our industry, right? Wouldn't you say? His name was Paul. He's no longer with us today. My career as an industry coach is all about paying it forward. Everything that he did for me, I want to do for you. What he did for me in my younger years is priceless. I will forever be grateful for him. What I want to talk about um, can also be of value to anyone, like I said, who isn't an owner yet. Maybe you're at the dream state right now of opening your own salon. If that's the case, then listen in too, because I want to talk about if I were to start over today, what would I do? So I was trying to figure out how I could deliver this content without sounding confusing because I do already have a salon. I have lots of ideas and I tend to have some conversation ADD. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So I guess what I'm going to do is just start out by, by saying, if I were to open a salon today, what would I do based on what I know, what I know now and what it takes to to reach the highest level of owning a profitable salon. And then I want to get into what costly mistakes as an owner that could potentially cause you to go bankrupt, close your doors, you know, all that crazy stuff. So I'm going to share with you some of the biggest mistakes that I did that could have been avoided. So let's start out with location, location, location. I know you've heard this before. Well, um, I believe that these 28 years that I've had the salon, a lot of my success is based on where we are located. Super lucky to be in a very high traffic um, on a very high traffic street in my town. Let's talk a little bit about size matters also. So why does size matter? Well, when I first started the salon, I was in a 1300 square foot place. And I moved to a bigger building that was 2,300 square feet. The bills to run each of these weren't that much of a difference. However, the difference in the profit was huge. So I want you to go bigger and then you think, right? So even if you're in a small space, you know, I want you to think about how can you monetize your space more. When I first had the 1300 square foot place, we were a five chair salon and we remodeled that five chair salon to a nine chair and we added a manicurist. So if you are in a small space and you want to make money, you're going to have to have lots of things going on in there to make money. So if you're starting out, get yourself the biggest spot, a bigger spot. 
go bigger than what you're thinking. And I want you to be a hard ass when it comes to negotiating your lease. What I did one time when I was renegotiating my lease was um, I had a commercial realtor. He was a friend of mine. Look up the going rates for my area. So have a commercial real estate agent just go ahead and look up the going rates and offer the lowest per square foot. You want to ask for three months for free and ask for 1% yearly increase. Now you're probably not gonna get away with that, but you know, start small. You should at least get three months. Some people get six. Um, so that's something that's really helpful for you is to negotiate and um, have some realtors give you some information. Then you're gonna, I, I would decide what type of owner I wanted to be. Would I wanna be a hands-on daily? Would I wanna do hair? Would I wanna have a manager? Well, today I want to do hair and I'm only doing hair three days a week. I don't want to work nights. I don't want to work weekends. I want to make sure my income stays between 2000 to 2500 a week. Um, and that's exactly what I'm doing. I don't do high ticket services either. I'm literally just okay with coasting and doing some gravy clients. I do have um, Brazilian blowouts that I do. I do balayage, but not a lot. Um, most of the high-end client, like high-ticket clients, I guess, I, I'll, I'll recommend them to other people. Um, do you want to run a commission salon? This is a question you have to ask yourself. Do you want to have a rental salon or a hybrid salon? I've always had a hybrid salon. Right now I'm doing just all rental. So obviously I start over again, all rental. This business model that you choose is going to be based on, you know, how much time you want to spend running or being in the salon and what type of systems that you're going to need to do it with ease. Because I'm really big on doing it with ease. I don't want to be stressed out anymore. I want things to be really simple. I want to monetize as much square footage as I can in the salon, meaning um, you carry a couple of products because a lot of people buy stuff on Amazon. You don't have to go too crazy. You can have a product that's a lower tiered, which nowadays is still 20 bucks a bottle, right? A low tier product, maybe an expensive product. So you have a high end and a low end, and the low end is gonna help you detour people from buying from Amazon. You know, you can do some kind of campaigning in there, um, asking people to shop local. You know, I'm getting ready to start a campaign like that because I think that people will shop local if you talk to them about it. Um, what I am looking into today, which is what I want to uh, do differently and add into the salon, is I want to have a plastic-free alternative to bottles so that I can stand out in the market of being a salon that offers this. I recently saw on Instagram this company that has shampoo and conditioner bars, which I'm sure you've seen because it's nothing new, but it just really got me thinking that it would be so amazing to have my own product line. I probably won't start with my own product line. I'll just go ahead and order this stuff and see how it works on my hair. And then just carry some of that because I think that would be really a good thing to talk about and just kind of stand out in the market. And, can you, and then I also, I'm going to ask you, you know, can you think of any ideas that would inspire your clients to come back to your salon? And so here's another question for you. Why should people come to 
to work for you, right? So these are some questions I had to ask myself is why would people want to come to the salon? You know, what do I want people to say about me and in the salon? So these are things that we have to think about as owners. I want to fully monetize my place and I'm going to bring some more jewelry back in. So another good way to monetize your, your front desk is to put some jewelry on the front desk. I'm going to um, have some branding t-shirts made and I want to hang them on one of the walls. We have this little space exactly where I want to put it. I'm going to do some decorative buttons that just kind of come out of the wall. I'm going to get them on Etsy. And I'm going to get some really cool gold hangers because that kind of matches the salon. We just did a full remodel and it looks beautiful. And the uh, t-shirts, I used to have them before, but I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring the t-shirts back and hang them on these beautiful buttons. The ideas that I have for my teacher, my t-shirts, sorry, are, we used to have this guy that worked with us. His name was Frank Whittier. He's no longer with us. And he used to answer the phone in the salon. He would say, if your hair is not becoming to you, then you should be coming to us. So I really want to honor him and make a t-shirt that has that phrase with his name on the bottom and also with our salon name on it. I really feel like there would be a lot of people that would really want this t-shirt. And then maybe what I'll do is donate, um, you know, the profit from the t-shirts to something that would be a cause that I know that he would be happy about. And uh, the second t-shirt that I want to create, I want to kind of do a 70s style image. And I want to do like the Jennifer Aniston haircut because um, I'll do like Stacey Monroe's circa 1994. That's when we opened the doors to the salon. I thought it would be really cool to just have like the popular hairstyle that was in 1994 uh, t-shirt. So I kind of want to do it like a little 70s style. So the t-shirts, you know, can be something that I raffle off or I can give uh, for free when they spend like $100 in products. You know, lots of different things that you can use your t-shirts for. And I'm also going to brand some reusable salon bags. So I think that would be really cute. I got one for Christmas. My daughter made me one. I love it. Um, I recently bought a new logo as well. So, you know, that was something that I just recently did. And so we're going to put that logo on there. Uh, another way to um, monetize every square inch is to offer as many services as you can in your space. We have a room in our salon that we at one time had a shampoo, I mean, a washer and dryer in. We kept all of our towels in there and we also used it as a storage room. Well, I decided that I wanted to use that room to bring in an esthetician, massage therapist, just make some money off of that room rather than it just being this big storage space. Because when I first opened, I did have my laundry in our break room. And so that's what I did. I took the washer and dryer out of there and I'm using that space to generate income. That room, I made it affordable for people to share. So three people can share this room. So we have estheticians in there right now. Um, I made it cheap enough. And uh, so we are doing facials, waxing, brow services, lash services, body services. You know, I'm in the process of hiring um, somebody who wants to do some body services in there. So I think it's just super important to just be able to find a way to make room for other people to, to uh, offer different services. Uh, we had nails 
when before I remodeled and pedicures. I don't have that right now. When I remodeled in January, I got rid of the table and the pedicure chair. However, for the right nail person, I will get a new manicure table that matches our salon. I have the perfect corner that I would, you know, put the manicures in. I won't bring back pedicures unless the nail person wants to work out, work that out in their space. They would have to probably fill up, you know, um, a bowl, you know, they can create some really bougie type pedicures there if they wanted to, but that would be something that they would have to work out within themselves. The idea is to have as many different types of clients coming through so that you can have clients coming back for multiple services. It's just, it's really a nice way to attract more clients to the salon. Many of you um, already have your spots like me. I've mentioned um, many things that I'm going to be adding and then I'm going to be start doing. Um, and at this stage in my career, I'm taking a pure profit approach to the salon business rather than a million dollar depositor business. The million dollar depositor owner is one busy person. I mean, you are a hundred plus percent hands-on type of ownership. That's what that is. It's fun. I loved it when I had that business model. I had it when I first opened up. I mean, oh my gosh, we were so busy. Um, we were fully loaded. I mean, we had a spa, full spa, a 20 chair salon. So it was 5,000 square feet of business and we were rolling. But it was, it was 24-7. I literally quit cutting hair behind my chair so that I could keep it going. Well, after the, the, you know, obviously I sold the spa in 2014. So we just have the salon now. And then I remodeled the salon to a 16 chair instead of a 19 chair. And after this whole shutdown, I literally need a break. I need a break on assistants, employees, uh, receptionists, all of that. And I just want to, um, you know, just kind of coast a little bit. And plus it is, it's a different world right now out there for us salon owners. Don't you think it's so different? Um, if you're like me, many stylists maybe didn't come back to your salon when we, when you reopened, many stylists have chosen to work in salon suites and hairstylists, they're not moving around very much. I've done a couple of ads. I haven't really looked, but from what I have done, normally I do get some hits. Now, I guess full transparency, I have had some people, you know, um, off, some people come for a job there, but it just wasn't like a fit for like what I'm looking for right now. I am going to stay true to my vision right now and set some boundaries for myself so that I don't just get stuck right back into that work, 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 work mode. You know, I just don't want to do that. Uh, let's see. Okay. So now I want to share with you a few big things that happened to me that cost me in the tens of thousands, possibly even a hundred thousand when it's all added up. I had two stylists take me to the labor board. One caused a California state audit and the other caused a lawsuit of which I had to defend myself. And thank God that I did win this lawsuit or should I say she didn't win because I wasn't suing her. She was suing me. All I was doing was defending myself. And I'm super glad that um, I didn't lose because I have no doubt that it would have turned into something much bigger based on 
what type of thing she was trying to accuse me of. The audit was um, about a $38,000 bill because at the time I was doing 1099s, there was a fine line between that and an employee. So, of course, the state found me to where my 1099 people were employees and I had to pay back three years of any commission, uh, three years of commission stylists that had worked there. And then, of course, that triggered a workman's comp audit because they're employees, right? And they fined me 17000 because it was based on 17 hairstylists. So basically, the lawsuit cost me 35000 And the, um, the time that I had to defend myself, that was also, it was 25000 for the attorney and 10000 for the um, I had an arbitration clause, so it was the arbitration uh, judge. So he, it was a two days kind of in court sort of thing. So those were some costly mistakes. Um, these two situations, though, could have been 100% avoided if I had proper contracts in the first place because all of this was brought on because the labor board did not like the contracts that I had. The second contract, you know, okay, I won't get too ahead of myself here. So... These situations seriously could have been avoided. Um, in the beginning, I just had a contract that I think somebody gave me. I didn't think it was a big deal. I wasn't too worried about what it said. And that's the first time that someone took me to the labor board. They said that she didn't know that she wasn't an employee, which she knew she wasn't. And so that's what caused that whole audit. Well, from that moment on, then I went ahead and contacted a labor law attorney. And she drew up a contract for me. And the contracts were for independent stylists and for renters. And in California, some of the laws did change around the 1099 independent contractors. Um, it's changed a lot, but you still can have an independent contractor. You can't do 1099 at all, but you can still have that. So my advice is to always pay the money and have a solid contract written up. And you want to make sure that in your contract that you have an arbitration clause put in there. Mine did, and I'm assuming if you have a labor law attorney do it, you probably will have a arbitration clause. Um, mine did, and uh, therefore, like I said, the second time that I went in front of the labor board, it was kind of just a little mediation. They wanted to see what was going on. They saw that clause, and they said, hey, we see you have an arbitration clause in your contract. If you want to exercise the right to that, we will go ahead and drop this case. So, of course, anytime the labor law says, says that they, the, I'm sorry, the labor board says they want to drop your case, you let, you say yes, because there's going to be nothing but gray areas when it comes to them. So um, I defended these accusations that this girl was doing, and it was two days in court. She lost, but it cost me big. Um, and this, this boils down to a simple case of lack on my part of communication. If I had sat her down and said, hey, you're signing this contract, you're not an employee, if you try and fight this, I have an arbitration clause, you're going to lose, you know, all of that. I didn't sit down and do that with her, and I don't think she had a copy of this contract. She may have lost it, so she was basing her trying to sue me on an old contract, and it was just kind of a nightmare. So had I just sat her down... And just said, hey, look, even in the beginning, I know you're, you're upset with me and, you know, you're trying to get over, but 
This is what the contract says. Here's your copy, blah, blah, blah. So those were some really big costly mistakes. And um, so let me just recap a little bit here about what I went over. So if I were to open today, which I am, I'm taking the easy road, all rental salon. Three days a week behind my chair, no nights, no weekends, no, uh, no high-end ticket clients, not compromising my 100K income behind my chair, monetizing every square inch as much as I can, creating some buzz around new concepts in the salon like t-shirts, branded reusable bags, no plastic bottles. Um, let's see. Making room when necessary for, for the right manicurist or different staff because I'm actually going to be hiring somebody who's going to be doing some body treatments. Um, she's moving here and so we're going to make room for her. I will be slowly working back in some commission before the holidays. I do have uh, 16 chairs, so that's a little recap. So I do have 16 chairs in the salon. 10 of them are full with full-time stylists, and I can actually hire six more stylists. So that's what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to get real serious on hiring these six stylists, and how I'm going to do it is I'm creating some flyers. I've already been talking to all the different, um, what do you call them, um, beauty supply stores, getting the buzz out there that we're looking for a hairstylist. I'm making some flyers so that they can put them in the beauty supply stores. We have, um, what Cosmoprof and we have salon centric. And then of course, you know, you can put your posts on Facebook and all of that, but I'm going to do some Facebook ads and I am going to hire because six people is a lot of money and I need to, I really want to get these chairs full. It does make me super nervous, which is why I haven't gone full force of hiring. I'm not going to lie because, uh, you know, we have a great team in there and I don't want anything messing with it, but I feel like I have a pretty good handle on, you know, what I would say to the person as I'm interviewing them, what I'm looking for. And I'm pretty confident that I could find the right fit to add to what is already amazing. Um, so I think that I'm going to leave this right here. I hope that this series was super helpful for you. I appreciate all of you for listening and I hope that this inspires you to keep it moving forward. Maybe make some changes, just, you know, this whole series, if it just, you know, helped you feel like you're normal, you know, you're not crazy. Cause you know, it's really hard to wear all the hats, to feel alone, you know, because sometimes a lot of salon owners are tight-lipped, you know, on what they do. I like to be friends with all the salon owners around my area. In fact, we had some classes recently and I made up some flyers and took those flyers to other salons. And this one salon that's in Fremont, she bought, I want to say five tickets. So a lot of her stylists came. I just think it's super important for us to stick together and just have each other's back because there's plenty of room for all of us to succeed. I'm not in competition with any salons around me. You're not in competition. Kindness, supporting each other always wins. So if you have any questions, feel free to email me at Stacy at stacymonroe.com. Um, with any questions, anything I can help you out with,
I have some free resources and stuff on my website, which is stacymonroe.com. You can check that out as well. And until the next episode, peace.